0: Happy Resurrection Sunday! We're so glad you tuned in to the Way Family Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday at 10:30 a.m. You can also find us online at WayFamily.church. Happy Easter. He is risen. Amen. So Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that or benefited from that last video there to remind us of Good Friday. Unfortunately, we weren't able to gather together for Good Friday. But what an evening for sure. I don't know if you guys read any of the posts that Sandy had put out, but they really impacted me a lot to the point where I just kept saying all day, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming, right? And Sunday is here. And so I'd like to welcome you in the name of Jesus. This is the best place to be right now. And so let's uh, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 28. I'd like to talk to you about our victorious king. I'd like to share with you from the account of Matthew, an apostle of Jesus. Matthew walked with the Lord. In fact, he was called by the Lord while he was in the tax collector's booth. Someone who's perceived and understood to be the worst of sinners. And here we have a beautiful account of what he has witnessed, what he is testifying to, because this man was radically transformed by the man whom he followed, the one we know as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 28, but before we get into it, let's kind of do a quick review here. Now, last week we talked about the triumphal entry. We talked about how Jesus is the courageous king, knowingly walked into the place where he would die. And not just die, but he would be viciously tortured. He would be brutally beaten. He would be, uh, I would say, inhumanely treated. He would be uh, forsaken by the Father, as it would appear. And so he walks into this place and he walks into... The moment where he is crucified now after the crucifixion the disciples of Jesus still gathered on the Lord's Day the Lord's Day is Sunday the disciples of Jesus still got together after Jesus was declared dead but when the followers of the Lord gathered that first Lord's Sunday they were discouraged and they were defeated weren't they I mean think about what just had happened Jesus marched them into the most dangerous place for them to ever be in and now they're gathered jesus has been crucified and now today 20 20 plus years later the followers of jesus christ still gather on the lord's day however unlike the first lord's day we are not in a state of discouragement anymore or defeat for the lord has risen risen oh you're paying attention good So it's different. Whenever God's people gather on the Lord's Day, we bear witness that Jesus is alive and that the church is blessed by the victory over death. Jesus is our victorious King. We have reason to celebrate. We have reason to celebrate every day in fact of the matter. I hope that today is not the only day that you celebrate the victory of our King. Every day is a victory, for Jesus has overcome death. He is truly the victorious king. And if anything proves the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is his resurrection from the dead. Without the resurrection, we have nothing. All we have is another story of another person, and all we could say is, cool story, bro. But because there's a resurrection, it changes everything. Now... Perhaps this is something that's very hard for us to believe. Perhaps we're past that and now we believe. But the fact of the matter is that this kind of thing is pretty radical. It's pretty unbelievable. Don't you think? And so what happens here is this is a normal thing for anybody to think, right? And so what I'd like to do is walk you through the stages that the the, the depot... The apostles, the disciples went through from unbelief to belief, because after all, this is not an easy thing to just say, yeah, okay, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? This is really extreme, but you're not alone. We're not alone. I I had a hard time believing this at one point. Like, how could that even happen? Those who followed Jesus themselves, those who followed him closely, those who walked with him, those who knew him personally also found it difficult to believe initially. Now, we, we, it's okay that perhaps we have doubts or we have had doubts, but what I'd like to do is read through Matthew 28 together, and I want you to notice the various stages and the experience of believers with reference to Christ's resurrection. Because initially, I'm going to show you the outline for today, initially they thought he was dead, and they had good reason to think, think such a thing, but then they heard that he was alive. And so when we gathered on the Lord's Day on Sunday, or when a Christian declares of the goodness of God, you're hearing that he's alive. And so it starts with unbelief, and then it follows by hearing. And then we'll see that they personally met the living Christ. This is where it gets crazy. This is where it gets pretty exciting. They personally encounter the living Christ, and as a result of that, they shared the good news with others. Now, this is the uh, sequence of events that transpire with the disciples, with the believers of Jesus. And likewise, this is how it looks like for the Christian. We start with unbelief and then we progress through the place where all we can do is declare the goodness of God because something amazing has happened. And so together, let me me, uh, take you to Matthew 28 and let's read this passage, this account according to Matthew. And it says this. Now after the Sabbath toward dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, if you can just imagine that. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. <laughs> and they came, they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Hmm. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city, and they told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. for your victory over death. Thank you so much for these various accounts that we have, Lord, of your glory, and for the resurrection, for without it, this is all in vain. So, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this lovely, beautiful day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every time I read that, I'm I'm stirred and I'm moved. It's one of those Good Friday moments where we wonder, why is it Good Friday? Like the worst thing ever happened to Jesus. It's Good Friday because that's the moment that the wrath of God was satisfied and we have been made righteous before him. So it's very good for us. But of course, we don't like the way that Jesus was handled. Uh, and then we have this beautiful news of the resurrection. It's like an ultimate low and then an ultimate high. Do you see that? Have you ever experienced such a thing? Aside from this story, have you ever experienced news that brought you to an ultimate low? Followed by something that really just flopped it around, an radical high. Now, I wish I could tell you a personal story, and it is somewhat of my personal story. But in, instead, I'm going to tell you Sandy's story, because it's way better. <coughs> It was New Year's Eve 2010. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm right. Um, and I take Sandy to a lovely dinner two hours away from home to a place where we had had a date before. In fact, it was one of our better ones. And so this is a beautiful place. And it's just an emotional time for me because I wanted to be a special date. And so I take her to this place. We watch a movie we have a nice dinner and then i take her out to the courtyard area where there's this beautiful fountain it's flowing with water we call it the the dancing fountain because it also was synchronized with music and everything was decorated for christmas because it was new year's eve and that's sandy's favorite season of all it's the cold, brisk winter where every, all the lights are up. And so we're having this beautiful moment and then we finally go and we sit next to this fountain and I have a nice conversation with her where we're reminiscing of the time together that we've had. I think we had dated for a year at this time. And we're talking about how we've gone through so much and how we've experienced so much together and it's been so good. And then I broke some awful news to her. I said, Sandy, it's been so great Unfortunately, after today, I could no longer be your boyfriend. And the disposition of my wife was just like pale. Now, we've had a conversation about this, so I know what she was thinking now. And she said, how dare you bring me all this way just to break up with me? This is rude, this is a total waste of my time, is what ran through her head. And so I say to her, I can no longer be your boyfriend. And then I got on my knee, pulled the ring out, and I asked her, will you marry me? I said, I can no longer be your boyfriend, I need to be more. Will you marry me? And so do you see that ultimate low? (laughs) Right? Do you see how everything, everything just went (laughs) But then I had an epic comeback moment there And boom, we had an ultimate high. But here's the thing though, it actually, I'm I'm sure of this now, I didn't really think that through very well because in my mind I thought that's gonna be the best way to break the news to her, right? But the way that she reacted kinda left me hanging, all right? Because her answer was not like I imagined it, oh yes, oh yeah, you know, that's what I imagined. Instead she looked at me, She covered her face and she just started weeping. And so here I am. And by the way, the ring that I the the little box that I got with the ring had a light on it, so I wanted to make it look way more expensive than it was. And so she left me hanging on my knee. No answer. And so that's when I felt really awkward. I closed the, the, the box, I sat down next to her, and I had to ask her, so So is that a yes? (laughs) And she goes, yeah. (laughs) And so that was the story of our proposal. But the whole point is that there was this ultimate low, the worst news you can get, followed by some of the greatest news you can get. Similarly to how Sandy uh, thought that it was over between us that night, the women who had followed Jesus through the process of execution also felt similarly. They felt that he was gone. After all, they're the ones who walked with Jesus. The the disciples disappeared. They They fled. They were too afraid of the situation. But they were with him throughout the entire process of the execution. And they also lingered at the cross. And so they were there. And so this is the first point that we have today. They thought he was dead. And this is not an irrational thing for them to think. They truly thought that Jesus was dead because he was declared dead by professional executioners, wasn't he? He was taken to the cross. The Romans are the ones who handled his death. Everyone knew that Jesus died. There was no doubt, no question about it. You think about the torture and the torment that he went before he was even on the cross. That was enough to kill a man and yet they have him carry his cross up to the hill called Golgotha where he is nailed and where he is hung where he suffocates to death where he gives his spirit he turns it into the Lord and he says it is finished it's done and so to make sure of this the soldiers go and they pierce his side where blood out followed by water pulls out of him that is a clear indication of death there's no life left in this man to the degree that his legs did not have to be broken for when you were on the cross after a while, they would break your legs so you could no longer lift yourself up for a breath. But for Jesus, it wasn't necessary. He was long gone. These women thought he was dead. There was good reason for it. And so on that Sunday, as a result... They, they go to the, to, to, to the site where Jesus was buried thinking that they would go and anoint him with spices. After all, the Sabbath was the next day, so they couldn't do it. They have to wait until this Sunday morning. And so they bring sun, spices and they, according to the Gospel of Mark, they were wondering how or who is going to help us roll that stone away. And see, they're approaching this site and they're expecting to find a dead body. And so because... Jesus was dead, right? They had a good reason. This is what's very interesting to me. And and to me, it's very important. These women responded according to their knowledge, to their own understanding and not according to the word of God because they clearly did not remember the words of Jesus and the words of the prophets of old. Jesus had taught repeatedly that this would happen. And so far, everything that he has said has come to pass. And so if everything that he has said has come to pass, why wouldn't the resurrection? After all, let me show you in Matthew chapter 16, 21, it says this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised obviously they didn't think this they weren't remembering this and like the women who went to anoint the body of Jesus many of us underestimate the words of Jesus too right we do we hear them and we don't necessarily accept them or believe them not always and so they underestimate the words of Jesus. They underestimate his resurrection. Now, there is no doubt in my mind that the world would accept that Jesus walked in on this world. There is no mind that they would even admit that there was a death. But not everyone believes in the resurrection. Not everyone believes that he arose from the dead. And so the question is, and I pose this to you today, did Jesus rise? That is the biggest question. And before I give you evidence of such a thing, it is my honor, my privilege to proclaim to you, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus has risen. Amen. He has risen indeed. And so let's go back to Matthew here. Again, they initially thought he was dead. Look at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to see the tomb because they thought he was dead. Verse 2 now, let's look at that through 8. Then it goes from thinking they were dead to now they're hearing that he's alive. That's the next phase that we're going into. That's our second point here. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. Can you imagine that? I I was telling Sandy last night, I want to know what that was. I want to see that. That must have been super cool. In fact, it must have been super scary. So scary that for fear of the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Can you imagine that? They were probably stunned, and were like, ugh. I can't believe what I'm seeing kind of situation. This probably was super insane and tense. Now back in the day, they weren't used to Marvel movies or anything like that. So you can fathom that today. But for them, this was boom, mind blowing. So much so that the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Now I find it so fantastic that anytime an angel of the Lord shows up, he has to say, don't fear, don't be afraid. Like why do you guys look so scary maybe? You know but definitely something intense something different and they do find comfort in those words because they don't drop dead or like dead men like the guards do and obviously this message is for them and so he says do not be afraid and he says here's here's where they hear the good news for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified in other words I definitely validify the fact that he had died he was crucified he is not here for he has risen in other words he got up what can you fathom that as he said he would the angel says he is not here he has risen and then he invites him in and he says come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold he is going before you to galilee you will see him. So right now they're just being told that he has risen. That's all they have. And the angel is showing them the evidence of the empty tomb. Now let me show, share something with you. The tomb was not rolled open to allow Jesus to exit the tomb. The tomb was rolled open for the benefit of those that they would see that there is no body. That's the best evidence that we have right now. There is no body dead body of Jesus. He has risen. And so they see this and they believe when they walk into the tomb and they realize, wow, well, first of all, the person who declared it to me would really convince me of this right if I saw that and then I see that empty tomb yes I am convinced and so he says go and tell everyone so they departed quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy they ran and to to tell the disciples and now they're they're the ones who are telling the disciples he's alive he's alive now these guys are sad Their disposition is low. They're at that bottom, right? They're at that it's over moment. And now these women show up and they're saying the same thing that they were told by the angel. Jesus got up. What do you mean women? I imagine that they were just in disbelief. And so we have an account where John and Peter get up and they race to the tomb site. And in fact, John kind of cocky says, I was much faster than Peter and so I got there first right and you know the one whom Jesus loved and he gets there and look at this account according to John chapter 25 through 7 and stooping to look in he saw the linen cloths he's talking about himself so John saw the linen cloths lying there but he did not go in then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Hmm. This is interesting to me. This little bit of information is very, very important for me because to me, it discredits certain theories that Jesus was taken away, that his body was stolen because cloths were still there, undisturbed. There were no signs of struggle here. In fact, to the contrary, someone took their time to fold up a cloth Why would a thief do that, right? Jesus left evidence for both women and Peter and John to shift their disbelief to belief. And I would say today that we have more than enough evidence to shift whatever disbelief that we have about Jesus Christ to belief. Because he has risen indeed, and there's evidence for that. And I'm going to share some of that with you here in a moment. And so Jesus had said to his disciples after the fact, he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That is us. We read that in John 20, 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's a blessing that comes and just hearing the word of God and accepting it and being transformed by it. But then it it goes on and it gets better. The resurrected Jesus reveals himself to his disciples and also, did you know that he also revealed himself to over 500 people? Can you imagine that? Let's look at this. This is the next part. And so they now meet the living Christ. Verse 9 through 15, it says this. And behold, Jesus met them, the women before they left the site entirely. He met them and he says, greetings. I imagine he was there and he just said, shalom. Right? And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Why do you keep saying that? Like, of course, I would be freaking out if the guy that I just saw being shredded into pieces just showed up and it said shalom. Whoa, <laughs> you know. And he says, "Don't be afraid. You see this beautiful picture. This goodness of the of God, the victorious King, is so gentle, kind, and compassionate." He says, "Do not be afraid, but look at what happened. As this woman could help, but to worship Him. For now, they are encountering the living." Christ do you see that and so Jesus tells him go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me Ooh, how beautiful but look look at this contrast here and I think it's fascinating while they were going behold some of the guards went to the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place some of the guards not all of them but here's the thing though they went and they told them they saw something amazing and so the chief priests and the, and the religious leaders, it says, verse 12, And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people this, <clears throat> his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Now why would they have to say that? Because for a Roman, if, if he was guarding anybody, a prisoner, a body, whatever it may be, if he lost the thing that he was guarding, he was punishable by death. And so these guys are double afraid. One, they just witnessed something that can't explain. So all they could do is tell what happened. And two, their heads are on the line because there was nothing they could do about that. In fact, they felt like dead men. And it's like, what do I do about this? Like, how am I supposed to be kept, be kept accountable about something amazing and miraculous that happens? But what's interesting to me is that they satisfied him with, with one story and a sufficient sum of money to keep them out of trouble. And they will also say whatever they had to say. And so they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews until now. And so here's what's interesting. Sometimes, and this is where we need a self-check, Sometimes self-preservation or self-gain is more important to us than truth. And I see that today in this world to the degree where I don't even know who's honest anymore and who isn't because someone is saying something because they're paid to say it. Do you see that? And you see, this is heartbreaking because how could you see such a thing? How could you see such a thing and say, I'd rather have protection and money from man? Obviously, they didn't know the goodness, the sovereignty, the majesty of Jesus Christ. And so they were capable of doing such thing. And so the warning today is, let us not love the riches of this world more than Jesus himself and the goodness of Christ. For everything in this world is so temporary compared to what eternity is. Let's look ahead to what is forever. Forever is a very, 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 and it goes on, forever, long time. All right? And so these men traded that, that truth, for this so-called protection for this so-called sense of wealth who knows how much they offered him but it was probably a lot of money it was definitely enough and so like 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 we see these women they show up and they tell the apostles you know different experience there in the sense that they're excited they know jesus yes everything that he has said has come to pass and so they go and they tell the soldiers but here's the thing though um to me, it's so good that the, the proof that we have just about the empty grave is, is the way that it was left was so good because it disproves a, a few theories for me. You've probably heard that maybe Jesus was stolen. If he was stolen, he had to be stolen by either his friends he ha- or he had to be stolen by his enemies or some random people. Those are the only options, right? I don't think he was his friends because his friends could not have done it for two reasons one they didn't have access to him the tomb was sealed and heavily guarded this was really unusual for any tomb the fact that this was jesus's tomb made it inaccessible to anybody and two they would not have done that because it would have defeated their own faith can you imagine stealing a body and trying to profess life in something that's dead I don't think they would go and be martyred for such a story. It just doesn't make sense. Now, I also don't think it was his enemies because his enemies would not have stolen the body because it would have stirred belief in the resurrection as it obviously did, right? And then they were just trying to prevent that. So to do that would have been countereffective. They would have defeated their own purposes. They would have sil- silenced everyone if they could in fact present a dead body. And so I don't think his enemies stole it. And if it was someone random, Why would they leave the cloths? Why would they unwrap a tortured body, leave the cloths, and then fold it up? Thieves don't do that. It just doesn't make sense. The only thing that makes sense, and this is the only verifiable conclusion, is he is risen. That's it. Now, any sincere person who studies this evidence with an open heart will conclude that the resurrection of Jesus is a fact that cannot be refuted. And there's some pretty smart people that have come to this conclusion, such as C.S. Lewis, Lee Strobel, Richard Lumpson, Isaac Newton, just to name a few. You know. Now, that Sunday morning, though, just re- recap here, and we'll get into our last point. It began with the disciples and the women thinking that Jesus was dead. And they had good reason to think that. But then they were told that he's alive. Following that announcement, they met him personally, which compelled them to share the good news with others. And this is what Christians do. We share what we know of Jesus. We share that transformation power that we have experienced in Jesus Christ. For once we were blind and now we see. We were lost and now we're found. We are radically transformed. We are made new. We are new creation. We are born again through Jesus Christ. And so the the instinctive reaction is to go and tell it, just like those women ran and they were like, you guys, he is alive. Two things. One, they were compelled to do it based on their witness. And two, they were also told to do it. Jesus himself told them to go do that. And then he appears to them. He appears to the disciples. He appears to several people, over 500 people. I'm going to show you that in a second. And he also tells them to go and bear witness of what they have seen. And there's more to that. And so what I want to share with you now is verse 16 and on. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Who doubted? These were the haters. We'll call them that. All right. This is not in regards to Thomas, because Thomas is one of the 12. He had already counted the Jesus. And at this moment, he's not the one that's doubting. These are the religious leaders, the folks who are just like, no, 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 no. This cannot be happening. And so some doubted in that regard because this is just too amazing. They're seeing it and still in disbelief. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, look at this, I am with you always to the end of the age, That is not a promise. That is a fact. How can someone who is dead say such a thing and reveal himself to so many people? And so what I'd like to do, and I'd like to close with this, just to kind of button it up here paul gives a testament to the resurrection of jesus he's sharing with the corinthians and he delivers three proofs of the resurrection and i'd like to share that with you he's talking to the church in corinth and he says this let's go to first corinthians if you don't mind chapter 15 verse 1 through 11. He says this, verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you. Now this is Paul's being faithful to the command to go and make disciples of all nations. Because he has been radically changed. He has experienced something. He is different. And so the first proof that he shares is, I would remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, which, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached, that's the proof. Do you see that? You're being saved. The first proof of the resurrection is that there is salvation. Have you seen someone who's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and has been radically transformed? I have. And I'm, a, I'm that person. The fact that Jesus lives, there's the ability to be transformed, to be radically changed into who we used to be, into who we are now. Now, salvation is that. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation. There is no redemption. We cannot be saved from the slavery of sin. We cannot be saved from our addictions, from our hurts, from our aunts, from our anguishes, from our past, from everything that has happened in our lives. It is Jesus who redeems us and who declares us righteous and who justifies us according to his grace. If, that, if the resurrection did not happen, people could not change that way. Do you see that? That's the first proof that that, uh, Paul provides. The second one is the Old Testament scriptures, verse 3 in the passage, 1 Corinthians 15. Did I say verse 3? Yes, verse 3 to 4. I'm in the wrong page. That's what happened. He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. What does he say here? In accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, the third, the second proof that Paul provides is the Old Testament scriptures. That's what he's talking about. So far, everything that has been declared about the Messiah and the Christ has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ, 100%, or your money back guaranteed. Everything, and then when Jesus walked on this world, everything that he declared about himself was also fulfilled. Wait a minute. That's another evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. If the scripture said that he would die the way that he would die, and he did, that he would have a ministry and that he would even have a triumphal entry the way that he did, and that if he said, and they said, that he would rise on the third day, then there is no reason to doubt that. For everything that has been written about the Christ and the Messiah has come to pass, including the resurrection. And so that's the second proof that Paul provides. And then I think he hits him hard with this third proof, verse five in this same passage in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says, and that he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter, by the way. And then to the 12. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. In other words, go talk to them they saw him however some of them have already passed is what he's saying here and then he says then he appeared to james the half brother of jesus did you know that james didn't believe in his brother as the messiah until he saw the resurrected form that changed him entirely in fact we just went through a sermon series in james and we saw everything that james had to say according to the resurrection of jesus christ and for james that was it It was not about the scriptures. It was not about the Old Testament scriptures. It was not about salvation. It was about seeing the risen Jesus to him that radically changed him. And then Paul continues to say, and then to all the apostles and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. And this is important. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. This is why it's so amazing that this particular testimony is coming from Paul. Paul hated Christians. Paul would not benefit from a risen Christ. In fact, he refuted it and he persecuted them. This is the last guy you would hear speaking of a resurrection And yet he is compelled to tell everyone about it because even Paul saw the risen Christ. And on the way to Damascus, he sees him and he is just off boarded from his horse and his life is radically changed. And that's not the only time that he experiences his presence. There are other times we see this account in, in the book of Acts. And so this person who once was the enemy of Jesus is now his friend, and he says, and it was by his grace that he saw the living and breathing Christ. Jesus is alive. And so if you don't see this, I don't know what else is going to make you see it. It'll only be his grace. There's nothing else. We have the evidence that we need. That transformation is happening. We call it sanctification, for we are not who we used to be. We're constantly being changed. We're constantly being saved. And one day, we will see him again, face to face. Amen? He has risen. Let me leave you with a couple of takeaways. Three, in fact. One, death was necessary for a resurrection. Without death, there is no resurrection. Some things need to be put to death, and that's a good thing right? And so death is necessary. We have this beautiful resurrection, this new life. The old self needs to be put away, and there's new life that comes because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are also given the resurrection. Takeaway number two, because he lives, we have salvation. We have hope. We have purpose. We have life. If Jesus did not resurrect, we would have zero purpose, zero meaning in life. Let me just think about that for a little bit. And takeaway number three, because he lives, there is victory. This is the victorious king. There's victory over sin, over addictions, over broken relationships, over condemnation. There's victory over death because he lives. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word today. And much more. Thank you so much for your resurrection. For everything that we read here attest to that, Lord Jesus, bears witness of that, Lord. I just pray that you would continue to move in our lives, that you would continue to stir us, Lord Jesus, to go and share the good news of the transformation power that we have received, Lord Jesus, to share and bear witness of the change of the new life that we have received, Father, through you. Lord, thank you so much that you are victorious over sin. Thank you so much that you are victorious over death. And Lord, we look forward to the day where you return and take us home to you where we would see you face to face. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen.